Hey everyone, Tessa Stuckey here with For the Sake of Our Youth. I just want to take a quick second to thank you for listening and joining me on this journey. This is a really scary world that we live in and being a parent is without a doubt the hardest job in the world. I am a mom of four, I'm a therapist, and now I'm an author. I'm so excited to announce that my book, For the Sake of Our Youth, was recently published in April. You can find it on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. As a therapist, I get this amazing advantage to hear what's going on in today's world for our youth, and I just can't be quiet about it, to understand what's going on in today's culture and how it's affecting our kids' emotions. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not looking good. I have always said that I could talk about this forever, so much so that I could write a book about it. So I wrote the book about it, but I'm not done talking. So here we go. Ooh, also, sorry. If you're liking what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe so that you get updated whenever there's a new episode that comes out. Maybe even leave a review. That would help other parents find this podcast easier. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Also, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can find me at the mom therapist. For more information, go to that's with an ey.com. Okay, the only thing I'm going to say about this episode is that it's a good one. So I interviewed Dr. Michelle Borba again. So there was an episode a couple months ago where she and I talked about her first, not her first book, but we talked about Unselfie. Hope you enjoyed that one. But this one is about her new book coming out March 2nd called Thrivers. And it's all about how to raise kids in this crazy world and helping them become thrivers so that they can be successful individuals. Anyways, I've loved my conversation with her. Again, she's such a joy to have on. And everyone, go out and get your book, Thrivers, March 2nd, found everywhere. Big fan. I can't wait to get my hands on it and enjoy this episode. Um, My kids are home from school today because it was icy outside. And so the school decided to cancel. So I apologize in advance. If I have to take a break to go yell at them. Don't do it. We're fine. I so get it. So don't worry about it. I mean, I definitely bribed them pretty good with this one. So I'm hoping that they'll actually listen to me and be quiet upstairs. But I can only hope for so much with four little boys running around. I so get it. How many? What do you have? Four boys. Oh, I had three. So I get it. Yep. Yep. You do. If today just goes to hell in a handbasket. Don't don't worry about it. I'm just smiling. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Anyways. Okay. Let's get into it then. Let's talk about Thrivers. So my first question, so I obviously haven't read the book yet because it hasn't come out yet, but you have broken it up similar to Unselfie, right? Like you have what makes a kid a Thriver and like the, how many, how many points do you have that makes a kid a Thriver? Seven. Seven. And where I came up with those seven was I always wanted to know, I mean, my entire career, why do some kids are yes. able to bounce back while other kids, what I call struggle while other kids shine. Yeah. And I realized there's science that we're not looking at. Yeah. Uh, there are longitudinal studies that have been going on for 40 years on the same kids. And what they oh, did yeah, the same kids. children. And then based on kids who really had adverse home lives, horrific stuff. But for some reason, a third of them 
turned out to be caring, competent, and confident kids. Yeah. What was the what was the commonality? What yeah. I discovered is thrivers are made, not born. And they okay. almost always have learned protective factors along the way. So they have confidence, yes, but they yeah. also have empathy so that they feel with others. Social competence seems to be a critical variable so you can bounce back and use somebody else in your life. They have self-control, which is critical now more than ever so that when stress builds, they can still have the cognitive capacity to figure out how to manage it and think. Okay. So going. Yeah. They also have um, integrity. And I love that piece mm -hmm. where because they have a strong moral code, they don't get so stressed out in making decisions. This is where I stand. Here's where I'm going. Like but that. they also have curiosity. Fascinating. They're more open. So they see possibilities as, okay, I, I can do that as opposed to close where they give up. And the final two things, they persevere, obviously. They have yeah. the group, they can keep on going and they have optimism or hope. All oh, of yeah. them are teachable. But I think the biggest mistake, as we've said, is, oh my gosh, this is going to be too hard. No, you find first thing in Thrivers has a, a list so you can actually evaluate your child. You yeah. can take a, a week and go, where are my kids' strengths? And he, right. I've got three kids, you've got four. They're a different yeah. as night and day. So each yes. kid's going to be different. Go with the strengths. And is there one little one that I want to work on this month or this year or for the next 18 years? Yes. Because there's finally a multiplier effect. It isn't one trait that makes a resilient kid. If you pair any two traits together, you multiply the outcome. Ooh. So it makes it even stronger yes. for the child. And the whole goal is to be able to help the kid endure without you someday. Yes. It's about 18 yeah. years to do it. I love that. So do they have to have like an enormous amount of each of those qualities or is it just as long as they've got a little bit of each kind of thing? What the research and the science says is they do need protective factors, which okay. help them endure the whatever the adversity situation is. Yeah. So for instance, right now in a pandemic, how to cope, how to be more optimistic so it doesn't get you down. Yeah. But if you have one other strength, it's going to increase the odds of the one that's lower. Yeah. I that's do find it. I do find it very interesting because I have clients who have been through true trauma and yeah. heartache. I had a client who was 15 and her mom died of liver failure for being an alcoholic for her whole life. And she was taking care of her mom starting at 10 years old and you know, she was the kid who had to pack her own lunch and had to get her own ride around and all of that. And when her mom passed away, she just, she handled it with so much strength and mature, emotional maturity. I always called it emotional maturity. I love that. And, and that's all I could, I really, I would sit there and wonder the same thing you were wondering, like, why is she, you know, I would go through the whole intake and I would say what I always say to everyone is I have to ask this question, but have you ever had suicidal thoughts or are you currently experiencing that? And she's like, oh gosh, no. And I come home and I'm thinking, how does this 15 year old who's been through really a really rough, rough time, not ever think about that. But then I have these other clients who yeah. get in a fight with their yeah. mom and they're running upstairs to write a suicide note. 
right? And so it goes along with a lot of my research with resilience. Um, but that what I'm saying with resilience is just a piece of the puzzle for what you're talking about to be a thriver. Yeah, what I, well, here's the thing. When I chose those seven, I wanted first to be, all of them had to be based on what helps kids thrive and resilience. But yes. I also said, we don't have time to just boost resilience, even though we do. Right. What is also going to reduce our kids' mental health problems? Those same yeah. seven keep coming up. Yeah. But what's also going to give our kids an edge in life and to be able to be more employable. The top employability factors, says the Harvard and the Global Economic Summit, are, are those seven. Yeah. And they all have to be teachable. So I think what we've done as parents is we've overwhelmed ourselves. Mm. We need a reset on what really matters for a yep. pandemic generation yep. and what's teachable. Because the final thing I tried to do is put in thrivers. Okay, here they are. Here's a grid that you can figure out what your child's strength is. Yep. Now you can commit to intentionally one, but it also has at least 300 ideas in there, mm. grade leveled of what can you do right this minute to help your kid be able to bring create that protective factor and oh, good. Use that for 21 days or use that for a month or use that for whatever. Yeah. Because we, it isn't DNA that makes the thriver. It's the protective factors. Plus one more thing. Each one of the kids swore. They also had a caring champion in their life. If not the parent, it was a teacher or great aunt Sally, some sort of mentor, somebody who was yeah. a mentor that said, I got gotcha. you. You yeah. can do who had a strong belief and refused to give up on the child. Oh, oh wow, that's huge. Together, that's whammo. Nice. Okay, so we're coming out of, well, I don't know if we'll be coming out of the pandemic. <laughs> it's a who knows. <laughs> but your book is coming out, you know, I was going to say on the back end of the pandemic, but we don't know. But here we are. What are some of those like tips? Do you have like one to three tips you feel comfortable sharing like that parents oh, oh, can absolutely. do right now with teaching our kids to be optimistic, to cope, build resilience? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I would say the top two that we're needing right this minute that they're going to they're gonna need the rest of their life are number seven, which is hope and optimism. Yes. And number four, which is self-control and coping. So yes. maybe the silver lining to all of this is going, gee, now I can teach my kids this because he's going to need it, not just now, but the rest of his life. Yeah. Self-control. Yeah. Number one is model it yourself because the best way for your kids to learn self-control is see somebody else being the model. So yeah. maybe what you could do in your house during the next few weeks or whatever is start coming up with a calm down corner in your house. It's not a timeout corner. It's a place where everybody can just debrief yeah. as a family. You create it with your kids together. Like, what do you need to stay calm yeah. and put it together? Don't buy anything. It could be pillows. It could be pillows, um, blankets, blankets. Yeah. Then it could be books for some kids. Mm -hmm. It could be bubble blowers for others. It could be stuffed animals. It could be music on an iPad. Find what helps your kids soothe. Yeah. Because the other thing we've discovered about thrivers is they have a go-to in case they need to relax. They okay. also, by the way, almost always have a hobby. Yeah. So one of those things helps them calm down. Decompress. You your kids yeah. a hobby, find out what they love, not you love. And then what you do is when you start to see the kids starting to get a little irritated, calmly say, looks like you're getting stressed because I see your feet moving or I see you start to get flushed 
or I see your hands go into it. So bit. bring out like the obvious cues, the physical yes. cues. Yes, because now your kid knows what his stress signs are. And then he gives you a signal, which is a timeout umpire signal. You don't say a thing. He goes and says, I need some space and goes to debrief. Love that. Now, here's another thing. While he's sitting there debriefing, what Navy SEALs told me was the highest correlation to help them get through a tough time was slow, deep breathing. Mindfulness, it works, but right. we're making it too hard. Right. He said, teach your kids one, two breaths. I said, what's a one, two breath? As soon as you start to feel your stress and you better know your stress signs, they all said, <laughs> take a slow, deep breath from your tummy, go way up like you're riding an escalator, keep holding it in your mind of the breath and then slowly let it out. That's an exhale. But they all said your exhale needs to be twice as long as your inhale. Ooh. I saw a mom do that with her three-year-old. It didn't work the first time, but she kept saying, Gray, Gray, mm -hmm. take a one-two breath, Gray, Aww. take a one-two breath. Well, she was modeling it, modeling it, and doggone it, about three weeks later when he came back and he was playing with another kid, he came over, sat by me and said, I got to take that one-two breath. I'm really oh. getting irritated. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. I, we do one where I'm sure you've heard this, but we hold our finger out and we pretend that it's a candle and yes. we breathe it in to get that yummy smell and then yes. blow it out. That's perfect. You yeah. can use that visualization. You can also put a flower in front of your child mm -hmm. uh, or put the candle without the flame or you can right, see. Right, <laughs> right. But teens told me that one of their counselors used a feather. They put a feather on top of the desk uh -huh. because the kids were breathing too hard and too fast. Uh -huh. So the counselor said, blow it as slowly as you can, but don't let the feather bounce. Oh. See if you can go in across the desk and kids got that idea. Little bubble blowers for little kids were yes. great. Yes. Blow your meanies away yes. as slow as you can without popping the bubble. Make it big, make it slow. And kids will begin to get that idea. I love them. that. Um, what are your thoughts on, because I try to do this at home, but I'm wondering if this is kind of what you mean by modeling too, is when I feel myself getting flustered, I will start to verbalize that I'm getting upset. And I will say things like, ooh, I can feel myself getting upset right now. I, I can't breathe as well. I'm getting a headache. I'm kind of getting hot. My ears aren't working as well. And I am, I can tell that I'm getting mad. My stomach is starting to hurt and I am getting mad or I'm getting frustrated or I'm kind of feeling sad right now, just so that my kids are like aware, like that I'm aware, yeah, you know, I think you get an A plus. Oh, and thank you. First of all, we've got to give our kids permission to share that they're getting yes. frustrated without yes. disappointing them. Right. How great for a kid to be able to go, I'm really stressed, mom, or I'm really angry. Yes. How do they get that? They get it from knowing it's safe to be it's able okay to, to do that. that they yeah. So yeah. I think that's an absolute classic, but you did something else. The second thing you did was also share with them what are signs, how yeah. you're feeling. Because kids can't verbalize that without those words like frustrated, stressed, right. irritated. Yeah. So keep saying those. Yeah, I really, those. yeah. I want them to practice self-awareness. I think self-awareness is so important in order to get that self-control. 
And yeah. like you said, like when you can verbalize it for them, like, oh, I can see that you're stomping your feet and that you kind of are getting frustrated right now. I can see that because you're clenching your fists and that sort of thing. Like you're doing that for them at first, but then at some point they will start to do that for themselves. And that's the whole goal so that they can remove themselves from the situation so that they can practice self-regulation. Oh, this is the spa day for the parent is when the kid says, Hey, I'm really starting to feel frustrated. I can feel it in my head. So I'm going to go sit down. Yes, yeah, like Friday. Yeah, but but the key with as I was writing Thrivers is not only creating that. Okay, here's the seven most highly correlated strengths, and I call them character strengths because they're yeah. learned. But yeah. then I said, okay, now what does science says are the abilities we need to teach? So I discovered there's three abilities for each strength, and oh. you just described when one of the most classic ones is okay. self-awareness. Yeah. That's one of the strengths in self-control. You start yeah. there and then you keep on going, helping. Okay. So you control. break down each of the points into like the three first steps that parents think that's yes. awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I wanted a framework. We need a reset and it's not, I think we've made this stuff too nebulous and mm-hmm. we see resilience is one trait Mm-hmm. where it's easy, it's broken down, and right. we don't need PhDs to teach it. No, <laughs> right. Or to understand it, yes. right? Okay, let's. can we talk about confidence? Sure. How do we raise confident kids? We raise confident kids by doing everything we're doing, We're by stopping doing everything we're doing. <laughs> when I discovered <laughs> So we have to stop it all. Stop it all. Because here's the single most important thing that we discovered about confident kids. They're raised based on who, not what. Okay. Found is that when parents figure out who their kid is, what drive, you know, little things like the passions they have, the joys they have, the interests they have, they're always more likely to grow up. And realize that's who I am, not yeah. what my mom wants me to be. Yes. Using activities based on who my kid is, not what their older brother is or what the kid next door is. Yep. That's the first thing. The science is absolutely amazing. Some of the best work on, in fact, these are, when I was writing Thrivers, was to look at real evidence. Uh, the studies that are coming out from Chicago, kids who have that flow that really keep on working, have that perseverance, uh-huh. won't stop, endure, are always based on things that they love, they have interest in. Kids who are innovators, they discover what gives them the joy and the passion. Yeah. I'm not saying that you don't give them making, stick the, to the homework and stick right. to the tasks on hand. Right. Figure out their learning styles, figure out where their hobbies lie, figure out what their interests are, because that's actually what helps a kid grow from the inside out yes. instead of from the outside in. Why do you think that there's so many parents that have a hard time with that? Because I think it's in all fairness to all of us as parents, we've been fed a can of worms. We've been <laughs> fed this outdated model that says you got to do this in order to get your kid into college. And so okay. we got into resume collecting. Yep. We thought it was all GPA, rank and score. Yep. When in reality, we discovered that the kids who thrive, who live the longest, who actually get the higher grades yep. are to figure out who they are and package that in order to get into college. By the way, the number one time once our kids get there, this is depressing. The number mm-hmm. one time our kids drop out is end of freshman year, first semester of college. Uh-huh. 
it's not during, during K-12. The highest correlation to helping your kids stay in college is find the kid, find the, excuse me, find the college that your child feels where he can thrive. Yeah. And does he have a sense of belonging? Yes. Listen to your freshman when he comes back. Is he describing that college based on my school or that school? Is he sitting there texting my friends who he's uh -huh. enjoyed connecting with uh -huh. or he doesn't have a sense of connection? Yeah. Connection and belonging needs, that empathy piece plus self-confidence, those two become the multiplier effect yeah. that help kids stay in college. So it goes back to needing to build strong connections and relationships with your children so that you get to know who they are, not what you want them to be. Yes. Right. And so it's... You know, a simple way to do that is just spend the next month with an index card in your pocket without them knowing <laughs> uh -huh. into where they look excited, where they're working a little harder, yeah. where they go, mom, I can't, I can't come right now. I'm really into something yes. beyond the video game. Right, right. Where are their drives and loves? Yes. This becomes your index card. That's the most valuable thing of that child. That's who your kid is. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find that so many parents get so wrapped up in, yeah, like the resume building and how their kid looks on paper. And I think a lot of that comes from fear. Like you said, they've been fed a can of worms. And so they think that that's, you know, what they're supposed to be doing as parents. But in all reality, it's you know, if you look back at what you would have needed at that age, I know that's not what I would have needed, you know, for my mom to push me and make me do something that I absolutely hated just for my resume oh. or my transcript, you know. Good point. We forget we were kids once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Getting back into that mode that's going to be so, so critical. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's so many pieces to this, but I think the first thing is don't make it so hard. Yeah. Make it easier. Yeah. Align yourself with who that child of yours is and go that path and then keep slowly adding the skills that your child needs. I, I would clearly say that um, when we look at now, there isn't a parent out there that doesn't feel that optimism and hope is going to be part of their kid's agenda. Yes. From the image that they're seeing are so graphically, when we want more hopeful children, uh, if there's anything back to the Navy SEALs, they again say, find a mantra in your house one strong statement you, you brought this up last time I can't remember I don't remember you saying anything about the Navy SEALs but well I learned from Navy SEALs okay the stress builds what they then say is they come up with one line one mm -hmm. statement that they've already pre-rehearsed right prior. right this to any kid the moment they're in meltdown no but not in the middle of conflict but in the prep work yeah it could be, I got this, or I can get through it, or we got this. If you keep repeating that over and over as your own mantra, pretend and say it out loud, mm -hmm. pretty soon your voice becomes your child's inner voice and yes. that becomes glorious. Yes, I love that. It, and that counters some of the pessimism. Yes. Start looking for glorious stories in the back pages of newspapers and yes. share them at dinner or right yes. before it goes to sleep of yes. the good stuff that's happening in the world. So they they don't get so discouraged and see the world as mean and scary. Yes. Really good. We're just being vaporized by these horrible, horrible images and our children deserve so much better. 
Yeah, I feel like, um, well, I have two thoughts. Let me make my first one and then I'll, I'll make my second one. But um, I really think I have a lot of hope and, and good feelings about the future for our kids and what they're going through right now and this whole pandemic and then everything happening in the world. I, you know, I'm a really big fan of letting our kids struggle a little bit and letting them power through something. And some of that is what they're seeing on the news and what's happening in today's world. But then a lot of it throughout the quarantine has been having to experience being bored. And I think that this has been such a blessing in disguise for so many of our kids. And now it is our job as parents. I mean, this is why your book is crucial right now, because it is our job as parents to help that grow. It is our job to take what has happened, the silver lining, the blessing in disguise from everything in the last year and, and grow with it and run with it rather than you know, avoid it or negate it or pretend, you know, turn our heads to it. And I think that so many beautiful, strong, independent, resilient kids can really be grown from this entire experience. And I'm so, so hopeful for it, you know, and I'm, I'm also hopeful because I had, you know, so many of Gen Z has, dealt with a lot of stuff that as parents, we didn't know that we had to be worried about with all the smartphones and tech usage and all of this stuff. And they've had to see a lot in their young um, adolescent and adult life. And I think that they are actually going to raise their kids with a lot more intention than maybe they've experienced. Not that I have a, a child. Well, is my kid in Gen Z? What's the cutoff? Well, it's, it's a weird cutoff. I, in fact, I'm almost thinking that what we're going to do is end up coming up with a whole new term for these mm-hmm. kids, of the mm-hmm. pandemic generation, mm-hmm. the whole COVID generation, because mm-hmm. they experienced something that's so new. By the way, we should be reframing that. They're surviving yes. a pandemic. Yes. That's what's a whole new reframe on it. Yes. Everything you said uh, is so right on the mark because yeah. thrivers also, we keep going back to this, the commonality is they have agency. Yeah. In the end, they don't rely on us. Right. So what we may need to do is, is say a lot more, you got this kid. Yep. And then make sure that we teach them the skills so we don't always hover in and rescue. Yes. Because a helicopter kid is not going to make that in the real world. No. And, and that's what I always talk to, pe- to parents about is you're going to have to learn how to sit in the discomfort of watching your child in discomfort. But that discomfort for them is going to build up so much that things won't be as uncomfortable in the future. And well, so- yeah, exactly. That discomfort, you also said something else. Handling solitude. It's yes. okay to be bored. Yes. How you can enjoy your own company. Yes. These are the moments that you can help your child figure out what he can go to, what's your yeah. go-to resolve. When I was writing Thrivers, the other thing that was fascinating to me is that each chapter has a real story about a real kid Uh from Jim Abbott who uh, doesn't have an arm who became a national league player Uh because he was raised with his father who said no excuses you got this and showed him how to sustain himself Michael Gordon cut from the basketball team in high school how did he keep going Elizabeth Smart Elizabeth Smart who was kidnapped the most brutal situation She said the reason she endured was one thing she kept remembering her mother say, I will love you no matter what. She said that image in my head 
knowing that what I was enduring, the rape, the horror that I oh could my gosh, yes. and go back because of what my mother said. Oh, Those wow. are kinds of things we got to be careful what we tell our kids. Yes. Um, I, I, uh, I interviewed a hundred kids before I wrote finally Thrivers to get their perception from teens, mm-hmm. asking them, what do you need from parents or what does your generation need? All of them admitted that prior to the pandemic, they were the most stressed out generation on record. Yes. The saddest thing that many of them said is, we feel like we're being raised as products or test scores. We're missing the pieces on how to be human beings. Wow. Oh, I mean, for a kid to say that, I had to go grab Kleenex. Yes. Oh my gosh. And don't you love, I love sitting with teenagers because they are so passionate and emotional and honest and right on the mark. You know, there's so many times when I'm talking to adults and I'm like, okay, I can tell you're masking what you're actually feeling and you don't feel confident enough to let it out to be vulnerable, but these teenagers, right. You got to love them for their emotions because they will just be like real and just, they're a little bit dramatic sometimes, but you got to love them for that too. That's that passion. And it really is fueling and, and opening for a lot of us because they wake us up. They really do. Oh, I love that. They wake us up. I think the thing is you and I get the luxury sometimes because we're a little bit of the outsider. that they can come up and they can open up. But the key the kids say of why they're able to open up is there's no judgment. No judgment. Whatever you do, hey, just let's just talk. And when you- And no lecture, right? Like I'm not gonna come back and be a lecturer. Now there are sometimes as a therapist that someone will tell me something and it makes me uncomfortable. Like they'll tell me they're gonna go, you know, jump off the roof at the mall because whatever, they're going to go take shrooms and do something. Right. And so I get uncomfortable. And so I just say, okay, hold on. I have, I, my mom brain is working right now and I I'm listening to you say this and it makes me so uncomfortable and I really don't want you to do that. So let me just say this really quick. And so I'll say like my response as I'm their mom and then I'll say, okay, let's talk about this. And usually they end up being like, I know it's stupid. I shouldn't do it. So, but I try not to respond with this lectured, let me tell you because I'm smarter than you kind of attitude, you know? I love that response. You just gave <laughs> parents the greatest response there is. Yeah. Just, wait a minute. Wait a minute. My mom brain is coming in a yep. minute. Yep. But when kids know that you always prioritize safety first, yep. they'll get where your mom brain is coming from. Exactly. And it doesn't signal to them, oh, I need to be shameful for wanting to do this or thinking about this. It doesn't signal to them, oh, never going to tell her anything ever again. It's just being real with them, like being transparent and saying, whoa, okay, as your mom, it scares me hearing you say this, but like, let's talk a little bit more about this. And I get why you want to do that and blah, 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 blah. Um, Okay. So I had another point and it was about what's going on in the world. And now I cannot even remember what I was going to say. You said something. Welcome to my world. <laughs> oh, this is my, my brain works this way for sure. I'm trying, what did you say? You were talking about our kids. And then that's when I said, I have a lot of hope for them. Oh, I was going to say, you know what I feel like is happening with the world right now. And I could, this might change by the time this episode comes out, but I feel like we are in America is in the middle of a horrible divorce. 
And we are the little four-year-olds who are witnessing the abuse and the emotional dysfunction. And we are just witnessing it and feeling it. And so we're getting angry and we're getting upset and we are reacting. And there's not a lot that some of us can do. And it's just kind of playing that waiting game. I, I, I really do think that if as a therapist who works with families, it, there's a lot of similarities with a divorce dysfunctional family dynamic happening. That is the best analogy I've heard so far. I had to write it down. That's exactly it. I haven't heard anybody pigeonhole that. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing we need to do, though, is there's fascinating things. I was watching 60 Minutes last uh-huh. night, and there were such extraordinary individuals of character who, who refused to back down, who mm-hmm. stood up. And that's the kind of people we need to do is say, hey, this isn't the way it's going everywhere. Right. There are people who are standing up and maybe these are those teachable moments that we yeah. need to share with our kids. Yes. Don't let it go. Your first thing is what are you hearing right. or what yeah. are you seeing? Yes. Teens say, please talk to us about it. Don't just put this off. One teen said, this is our history, you know, right. <laughs> we don't need it in a textbook. We're seeing it. It's so happening. About it. It's happening. And the fact that, cause that I've heard a couple teenagers say, this is going to go in the history books. And yes. the fact that they are aware of that, how big this is. I remember feeling that when nine 11 happened, I was in the 10th grade. And I remember in that moment thinking this is going to go in the history books. So there is an awareness that it's a big deal, which means if they're aware of what a big deal it is, we can have open conversations with them, real yeah. conversations, keep them yeah. in on it. I mean, even my kids who are nine, seven and five, they are asking questions and I'm having to, you know, age appropriate answers, but I'm being, I'm not just dismissing it. I love that they're curious and they're asking questions, you know? Well, remember one of those traits of, of thrivers is curiosity. Yes. So when a kid says why, that's your opening. Yeah. And that's your opening to first ask, what are you hearing to make sure? Obviously, I love it that you're age developmental. You have to be. Yeah. What do you mean? Tell me more. And realize it's not going to be one marathon. It's going to be little teeny chats along the way. Yep. Thank you for asking. Let's talk about it. Yes. You don't know because most of us don't. That's a fabulous question. Let's get online and figure it out. Yes. That's my favorite is when I can say to my kids, you know what? I don't really know. Let's go figure it out together because there's a lot that I don't know, especially when it comes to worldly things and politics and that sort of thing. And, you know, as a kid, I don't ever remember being interested at all in what was going on. And I think it's because, and not to diss my parents, my parents are wonderful parents. They're both therapists themselves. So like this was not their intention, but I think they would dismiss me a little bit and, and me and my siblings kind of like, this is grown up talk, you know? And I think as, as adults, we do that. We might do that easily with like, oh, they're not going to get this or they don't need to know about this. And so we dismiss them when really my ultimate goal and and what I hope for other parents is, is that we want our kids to continue coming to ask us questions and to talk to us. So it starts at a young age of inviting them in on the conversation. You know, how do you feel about talking about how can parents help their children cope and feel less anxious right now? I think the first thing is tune into them and acknowledge and maybe even tell them it's okay to be anxious. Yeah. What we need to do is 
because we're all feeling a little anxious. Yeah. Then, then figure out what the concern is. One of the best ideas, particularly with that anxiety goes into fear and then can be pervasive. But if yeah. you know that your child is worried, for instance, about going outside or going back to school, because all he's hearing, and rightly so, is a daily death count of COVID. Yes. Then what you then do is chunk the fear. Right. Thank you for telling me you're so worried about going to school. So let's chunk it. Let's yeah. chunk your worry. And what's the first thing you can do? We'll open up the window. Did you get the fire? No, you're okay. Let's yeah. open up the door and put your foot out. Let's keep on going. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the ideas, each, ch each chapter in Thrivers starts with a real story of me observing some brilliant teacher, amazing teachers who were figuring out how to teach kids these skills. And one of them was a Long Island teacher mm -hmm. who realized her kids were really worried. This was prior to the pandemic. What she did was bring in a box. She Wait, how old were her students? Uh, they were about in third and fourth grade. Okay. But you do the same thing for big kids and you can tone it down to little kids. Okay. One child who was the worry ward, she said, what's worrying you? And she said, just open up your worry and tell everybody what your worry is. She says, I, I get invited to a sleepover and I'm scared to death to go to the sleepover. Why? She says, because I don't think I'm going to sleep be why? Well, because there isn't a light. Okay, kids, let's brainstorm. What she did was she brought a great big box. She put it on the table about the size of a computer uh -huh. and had all the rest of the students brainstorm solutions for Stop. her. Stop. Oh my gosh. For I love that. Brainstorm solutions. The one idea was, okay, I'm going to bring a flashlight. When all the kids came up with ideas, she then put, bring a flashlight, put it in the middle of the worry box yeah. and then brought in a box that was slightly smaller. Uh -huh. What's your next worry? Well, I may not like the food. One kid says, well, then bring a granola bar or eat oh. before you get there or <laughs> find out what they're going to eat. She then chose one, put it in that, wrote it on. Here's one uh -huh. more way I can chunk my worry, put it in the second box. She kept going until there were four boxes, uh -huh. each smaller than the other. And then the teacher said, so what are you going to do? She says, I'm going to the, I'm going to that sleepover. Oh All my the kids gosh. clap. They're oh. clapping with the teacher. She just crunched the worries and helped. Oh my, the that is so beautiful. I am like tearing up. That's beautiful. And that's something that families can do together too. Right. So not just teachers, but I could, one of my kids who might be upset about something, I could bring it in as a family gathering to help him with his worries and stuff like that. That is so, that really is moving. That is beautiful. Yeah, I loved it. it, yes. it story after story. After I realized these, these traits are teachable, they're science backed. Then I wanted to go see somebody do it. Yeah. And each opening to each story in Thrivers is a story like that about a, yes. a simple thing of bringing in four boxes, four boxes, putting the boxes in little single crunch. But the best thing is the child's response. I got this. I can do it. Now what I need to do, I can figure out how to solve my worry. Well, and everybody else like cheering and supporting her too. Yeah. Like what feels yeah. better, right? Exactly. Oh You're we're in this together. I love that so much. <laughs> Okay, what is one thing parents can start doing right now to help kids develop these? I think the word you said that is my favorite word for parenting is called intentional. You mentioned that word and I went, yes. I, the start to raising a thriver is being intentional about yes, it. Yes. Maybe it's 
is setting up a journal and saying, I'm going to do this. Maybe yes. it's putting a screensaver log to yourself of every day, I'm going to work on this one little thing yeah. or every day I'm going to just say, we got this together. Yeah. What's your one thing from everything you heard now or flip through Thrivers and find one other thing. It's also yes. in, in uh, audio. I just spent oh, good. Oh, the hardest thing I've ever done. Did you recorded it? Oh, you have no idea. My oh. throat is gone. Yes, I recorded it. Oh, but it Michelle. Was, you know, I'm going to warn you because my last book was on selfie. That mm -hmm. was an audio and parents said, it's so great listening to it, but please tell parents to not listen to it in the car, in a carpool. I said, why? Because my kid in the car would listen to it and go, boy, you got that one wrong, mom. You're not doing ah! that. <laughs> So you have to put a warning. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. That is very funny. The hardest thing I did was um, not cry because there were yes. so many stories that were so yes. gripping to me. I was, I was writing them because I'd seen them personally. Right. Uh, my favorite one, uh, back to self-confidence. If you can imagine one of the worst places in the world to visit uh -huh. uh, because of the adversity is a refugee camp in Beirut. Uh -huh. I was there speaking to parents on how to raise thrivers. And mm -hmm. I asked the UN to let me go and visit this refugee camp. Yeah. It's dismal. There's electric wires hanging down that <sighs> they kept saying, don't touch it, don't touch it. Or you get electrocuted. Oh there was uh, rabid dogs that they would tell me, don't go down that aisle or don't go down that road because they're drug dealers. Oh I did God. not see a place of hope anywhere. And I was just talk about optimism. I was shocked. Yeah. You're like, how am I going to talk to these people? Well, there was hope because the UN official said, okay, turn and go up those cement steps. Uh -huh. You'll need to turn your flashlight on and your phone because it's really, really dark. Uh -huh. but that's where kids go. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I got to the top of the steps and there was huge Arabic letters mm -hmm. that they told me spelled freedom and life and the kids had painted those Stop. that's what they wanted I walked into this little teeny room and I was so overwhelmed one man at this had decided to build a chess club oh so there was little teeny tables these are plastic chess sets they look like placemats because yeah. he couldn't afford it yeah and then the bell rang and all these kids came running in their faces outside the door were dismal. The moment they passed across the doorway, they were smiling. Oh. And each kid said, this is where we have hope. Oh, One kid said, God. this is where I learned that I am really good at numbers. Oh. Another kid said, I come here every day because I can breathe. Another kid said, I learned that I'm really good at chess. I'm, oh my oh, God, my one man. God, it was, oh, I tell him, I can't even get through the story, right? But it convinced oh. me, that's what kids need. Yes. Need, first, a place where you feel safe. Yeah. Second, a place that helps you thrive. That's what the man was doing. Yes. He was helping them thrive and build Encourages confidence. it. Yeah. Perseverance and optimism. Yeah. There's the multiplier effect. Yes. And incidentally, he stood in the background. He let the kids be uh, the club leader. Yes president one oh. kid said i'm the secretary <laughs> oh my gosh that is such a beautiful story and oh. such a great representation of what our kids need yeah okay last question 
if you could give, which we, you probably already we did. answered. Yeah. Because you and I are pretty good at talking. <laughs> Just oh. <laughs> I just want to make sure that if there's oh. anything, how about this? If there's anything else that you want parents to know about raising kids who thrive, what, what is it? First of all, thrivers are made, not born. It's yes. not a program, but a process. It's yes. not locked into your IQ, your DNA, or your GPA. We need to intentionally make sure our kids learn these skills. And when they do, they'll be able to survive, not just now, but for the rest of their life. And I think that's the greatest legacy we can give our yes, kids. Yes, absolutely. Okay, how can my listeners find you? Uh, MichelleBorba.com is my website. I'm a 1L Michelle. Uh, Borba rhymes with Zorba. So Michelle, michelleborba.com. There's all kinds of PDFs that are free. For instance, book discussion guides to get on board with other parents. Let's talk nice. about together. How yes. you can, you know, Thrivers is on Amazon. It's on uh, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore. But okay, it'll be everywhere, right? It'll be everywhere. But yeah. it's a framework you need to get back on the path of raising strong mentally, morally, and socially strong kids I who love can that. have life without us. Yes. Well, thank you so much for talking with me again. I know that it's not always easy. And after the chaotic holiday schedule, I'm just thankful that you have this time to talk with me again. Oh, I'm the one that's grateful. It's a joy <laughs> every time. I love talking to you. Thank you. So if you guys are liking what you're hearing, I would love it if you could give me some feedback. Actually, scratch that. Even if, you, especially if you don't like what you're hearing, I love feedback. Even if it's not the nicest, I want to hear all about it. Even if it's about crappy audio or I edited something weird or I said a word in a weird way, which that does happen sometimes, anything, or I'm smacking my gum, which I'm trying not to do. I'm trying not to have gum when I record um, anything or if I'm saying um too much or talking too much whatever I want to hear it and so before you go just hey that's like that song I love that song <clears throat> can I say you want me to sing it for you so before you go you know what I mean was there something I could have said to make your heart beat better? If only I'd have known you had a storm to weather. I think I'm going to make that like my theme song. Well, I can't make it my theme song, but. So, before you go, was there something I could have said to make it all stop hurting? Kills me how your mind can make you feel so worthless. So, before you go, I like that. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, I love to sing, even if I shouldn't. So, there you go. Leave me a review on the podcast, on Apple Podcasts. I would love it. I would really appreciate it. Write me, DM me, whatever. Go to the link in my bio on Instagram at the mom therapist, and there's a tab there that says Ask Tessa. You can literally call in a question or a comment or feedback or whatever. Just let me know. I love interacting with people, and because of COVID, I haven't had the chance to do that as much. So, yeah, talk to me.